finally know when we are going to have Pensacola Blue Wahoos baseball. We're going to be going over that. Also, we have a handful of interviews with you today. It's been a while, I feel like, since we brought in some interviews. We do have interviews today, and this is Sports Call. Welcome into Sports Call, everybody. It's Saturday, and that means one thing and one thing only. We made it. We made it. It is Saturday, and it's a beautiful Saturday. We haven't had a beautiful it's day beautiful like this. Has, we haven't had a beautiful day like this in a while. Had a couple cold days going on there. Now we have like sunny and 65 right now. Not 75, sadly, but I mean, we'll settle for 65 right now after a couple days of 35 and 45, like, 55. Right now it's 50 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. It? It's 50 degrees, at least according to my Apple Watch, it's 50 Michael, degrees, Michael, but it doesn't Michael feel Arthur like that. Wrong then, I guess. It doesn't feel like it's 50 because. There's not really a whole lot of wind, at least where we are. There's not a whole lot of wind. And so we are, you know, I I love this kind of weather, like mid 50s, preferably low 60s with the sun and no wind whatsoever. It is so comfortable. Not only that, it's sort of like a reminder of fall weather for me. And I, I, to me, I think that it's a really comfortable feeling. Like I love the kind of weather that comes with the fall, but we're not in the fall. We're obviously in the winter, but it reminds me of like when the leaves change and it's football season and you're cheering on your favorite team and you go outside and it's nice and crisp and you maybe play a pickup football game or at least when you're now me, you go out and you drink a beer, but still it feels really comfortable outside. And that's for me also a very good feeling associated with that. And today feels like it's going to be that day also because it's been a heck of a week for me at work. It's been a very busy week. Radio's always moving forward, right. and it's been a very busy week, so I am just so relieved that we get to kick back and do this show because it's like my Saturday anthem. I get to do this beautiful radio show, and we get to kick back and have fun. I don't see, like, so what? what's your favorite turn of, like, seasons? Because mine, I, I don't know if it's, it's in between first day of beach season and then also First day of college football season. Like, those are two big ones to me. Like, one is like, yeah, this is a big part of my life because the beach is like I will be spending uh, probably 80% of my summer there because, one, I have a job there, and, two, in my free time, I'm there a lot. Also, college football season, probably my favorite entertainment ever. So My my favorite turn of the season is when we go – from summer, uh, it's it's summer to fall. So like more like an August yeah. August type of vibe, I well, guess. I would say September mm. is probably one of my favorite times of the year, weather wise. I mean, my favorite like holiday, if if you want to put it in that sense, is around you know is like November to December that period because it's my birthday, it's, it's Thanksgiving, and it's Christmas, and the weather's always beautiful. So yeah, I'd say. Like September, October, November, this, the weather that you get during that span is awesome. It goes from being really hot to now nice and comfortable, not too cold here in Florida. But then also you have college football. So you get that Saturday, Thursday entertainment knowing that your favorite teams are about to play and your favorite sports are about to play. And also baseball is still going on. We're getting into playoff baseball yeah, at that, that time. That, that, that's that my true. favorite that sport of all time. So having- I now get playoff baseball, especially if my team is in it. You're having a lot of sports get combined there because then basketball season gets picked up just a couple weeks after that. But also, I mean, I think probably my favorite is going to be when it comes to weather and then also just like a lifestyle type of thing. It's probably going to be August, September, and then October just for the fact that, one, it's still really good, comfortable weather. It's not too hot. It's still pretty comfortable. Then it's also college football and then, like you said, playoff baseball as well. 
Uh, it's always a good time of year around then. And then, you know, usually UWF football as well is going on around then. We didn't have it last year, of course. Uh, in the Blue Wahoos, it's always going on as well. That's probably my favorite time of year just for the fact that the weather's nice and also everything that's going on event-wise is also pretty fun as well. And you actually just said it. The uh, Pensacola Blue Wahoos, we are going to have some baseball coming back, which you can catch all the games right here on your home for Blue Wahoos baseball. And... They're getting underway on May 4th. Now, it's not going to be a home series. They're going to be traveling to Mississippi. A part of me, just because, even though I know for a fact this isn't going to happen, a part of me, just because, wants to go to Mississippi just so I can see the opener. Although, all I got to do is wait one more week, and on May 11th, we're going to have the home opener against the Birmingham Barons. I want to go to Mississippi just so I can watch our team play. There's just something about it. There's something about the excitement of having the Blue Wahoos back that makes me want to go to Mississippi and watch them play on the road. And I haven't seen our Blue Wahoos play on the road ever. Now, what day is that on? The It's on a Wednesday, I think. I need to actually hold on. I'll pull up my calendar. You know what? Here I am, not as prepared as I probably should be when it comes to our dates. But on May well, the 4th, be, by the way, May the 4th be with you, yeah. is on a Tuesday. Okay. And then follow that up with Cinco de Mayo on a Wednesday. So let's go. Always a fun day. But we're going to have some Blue Wahoos baseball back. Now, you can, again, catch all the games on our station. But I'm sure the big question is, can you go to the game? Will there be people in attendance? The answer is yes. However, how many people can go into the stadium at once? We don't really know that question yet. We don't know. We don't know the answer. We I know the like question. We just we don't know the answer because it's all going to come down to city ordinance. What basically what is Grover Robinson going to say? Our mayor. Mm-hmm. What what's his decision? What is city council going to vote on? Because Governor DeSantis already said it once. And I'm pretty sure he'll say it again. He'll allow as many people in the stadium that we can fit. He's already said we can pack out stadiums. So when it comes to a state ordinance, we can put in as many people as we want. But it's luckily we live in a state where each county can kind of decide what it is that they want to do. For example, Escambia County is going to be selling alcohol on Sunday starting at 6 a.m. I think next week is when the next Sunday, I think, is when that all gets underway. Before, you had to wait until at least 1 p.m. But now, starting next week, you can do it at 6 a.m. That gets me excited. I don't know about y'all. Y'all are too young. Davis, have you actually ever bought alcohol at 6 a.m. in Escambia County before? Uh, No. (laughs) Or ever wanted to, to I should add? To know that I can do it. Hey, I have woken up at 9 in the morning to go out on a boat and have had to go to Gulf Breeze because in Gulf Breeze, you can buy alcohol at 7 a.m., I had to go across the bridge when we still had a functioning bridge to go buy a case of beer and then come right on back. Now, granted, all I had to do was do it on Saturday, the night before. Yeah. But unfortunately, on a couple of occasions, I have not done that. So guess what? It's 8 in the morning. I had to go to Gulf Breeze, go buy a case of beer, and then come back across the bridge and go meet my parents over near the yacht club where we keep the boat. So I had to do that on a few occasions. I no longer have to worry about that now because Escambia County finally came to their senses. So anyways, I'm going to get off that topic and say that when it comes to the local ordinance of having people in the stands, I'm going to take a guess. Our stadium fits what? Close to 6,000 people. Doesn't I don't it? I don't think it sits more than that. It sits in I know it sits 5,000. Yeah. And I only know that because we packed out the stadium the opening season for UWF football. Correct. I think awesome. that we're going to have about 2,000 people that can go to the game. Essentially, you're going to cut it in half, maybe a little less than that. But 
and Jonathan Griffith, the president of the Blue Wahoos, he was telling us this. There's already going to be season tickets sold. 5,038 so, approximately. 5,038, so a little over 5,000. I would cut that a little. I'd say 2,000 on the dot is what I think we're I going two, to. Uh, around 40%. And they're going to do pod seating. And he said with people buying season tickets, getting an individual ticket is going to be difficult. Now, I think it's still possible, of course. It's still possible, but the more people that buy season tickets, the less individual tickets can be sold. Exactly. And therefore, your ability to go to a baseball game, if you don't already have season tickets or have a friend that has season tickets, it's going to be difficult. Now, we're, we're, we are very lucky to be media members, and yes. we'll have media credentials. Also, if I wasn't in the media, I have friends who have season tickets, and they're always constantly saying, who wants to go to the game? So I have many uh, avenues to travel down. I'm fortunate enough to be in media, but for our listeners out there, if you're not listening on ESPN Pensacola and you want to go to the game, understand that that is what it's looking like at the moment. We just don't know officially what the number is going to be, but I hope that the number is 2,000. I don't see them going more than that. I hope they don't go less than that. Yeah, I mean, 2,000 is a pretty solid number. I mean, you see a lot of places, I mean, sit in the round of 25 to 50% range. So 1,000 to 2,000 is probably where we'll be seeing you know, stadium occupancy. Um, that's what sucks about this most is that when it comes to this situation, season ticket holders are going to be able to buy their tickets. But the thing is, when you think about it, season ticket holders probably don't go to more than 25, 30% of games, honestly. So they don't get used efficiently. Now, I do know there's some sort of program that they used to do, and they probably still do use, where, like, it was, like, some buddy system. Like, if you're not going to the game, like, put your ticket up for sale, and, like, someone can just come get it and have it and buy it. I don't know what it's called or anything about it because I've never, you know, had to do it because my family's always had season tickets or my parents' work has always had season tickets or until I started working here having media credentials. Uh, So... I don't really know what that system is, but I don't know. I feel like maybe they should start. You think they would try and limit season tickets maybe just so they can have I think, as no, many? Well, season tickets is often where you make your money, right? Yeah. When people but, are buying in bulk to get their tickets for the entire year. You want to sell season tickets. So I think they're going to sell as many as they can. Think about it. Are you going to have 2,000 people buy season tickets? I would say no. I actually don't know the number off the top of my head. Like two, like 2019. Well, the last time we were able to play a full season. How many season tickets did they sell? Do you expect those same people? Because when you buy season tickets, you better believe they're reaching out to you again to renew your season tickets. And many people will and many people possibly won't. But did they sell 2,000 season tickets in 2019 or even in years prior? I just don't know that answer. So... If you can only have 2,000 people in the stadium, and again, this is just what Davis Allen thinks is going to be the number. We don't know what it's going to be yet. We just don't know. That If there are 2,000 season tickets sold, then if you individually want to buy a ticket, good luck. Good luck. You're going to have a difficult time doing that because people are going to be taking up what seats are available for the entire duration of the year. So you're going to be missing out on some baseball, which, hey, you know what? That would make you have to listen to us. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Chris Garagiola on the call. But I believe that with the number of 2,000, you, you should be able to go see a baseball game. It's And the fe- what to expect promotions-wise isn't really going to change. Like the, I know they have the storefronts. Those aren't expected to change at all. 
your fan experience, I think the big thing to, that you'll expect to see different would be that you'll have to wear a mask. I mean, yeah. You will have to wear a mask during the game, which I know is a bummer for many people. And if that's a deal breaker for you, then fine. Listen to the game on our station. But that's just the real, that's the only big thing you'll have to uh, expect is you will have to wear a mask. Because if you go throughout the course of the season, they don't always get 2,000 people to go to a game. No. I mean, go to a Wednesday night game. Exactly. Tuesday, Wednesday night games. I mean, it's, there's barely anybody there. To be honest, you know, people, have, people have work, people have school. They aren't, they aren't going to I the mean, game. I think, what is it, the lull, I mean, what, we're starting in May, right? So pretty much we're going to be starting right around summertime. Usually the lull would be when kids, you know, are in school, so around September and then also April because it usually started in, what, March? Right, or is it more of April? It's more April. More April. Okay. Because the MLB season gets underway, and around that time, double-A will be getting underway because, again, they're assigning players to where they need to go. If they don't make it to the Major League roster, then they'll usually come to double-A. Some players, they'll do spring training for a little bit, and then they'll just get sent to double-A because they already know they're getting sent there. And a lot of times, it's the best prospects. The best prospects, they already know what they want to do with them. They're not going to magically make up their mind during spring training. They could be better than every single player out there, but often for contract purposes, they're going to send them down to the minors for a little while, and then they'll move them up in the ranks if they need to. But very often, the case is your best prospect will stay in the minors longer so that with that way they can get more time out of you. It's all it's often a money thing. They don't have to pay you another another year. If they send you up to the major league roster right away, they have to immediately start paying you that major league roster uh, contract. They don't have to do that if you're still in the minors. They, they pay, they they, you, the- you can gain another year on their contract basically for free, if or at least for the for the lowest amount possible. It, it's kind of crummy. It kind of is, but. If you're if you're an owner of the team and you're dealing with finances, it makes all the sense in the world to do it that way. If you can, it's I wouldn't even I would I, it feels crumb really isn't. It's just strategic. It's smart how you're able to do it. Yeah, like major league minimum is like I believe it's it's around the five thirty five hundred thirty grand to five sixty range. It's yeah. somewhere in that range, and then like minor league is somewhere in the forty thousand. Yeah. Well, often if you're a top prospect, you're already making millions. Yeah, you're already you, making you, millions. You, you, I mean, you sign like, a signing bonus. It's like Wander Franco is the top prospect for in all of baseball. Just so happens to be in the Rays organization. Go Rays! Looking forward to Wander making his appearance because apparently, and this is what's making me more excited. They're comparing Franco. To Mike Trout. That is how big comparison. That is how hyped they are about Wander Franco. Is that they are comparing him to Mike Trout when he was a prospect? Because when he made it to the majors, it was immediate. He made his immediate impact on the league. They're saying Franco is that next guy, and I'm over here. My heart's just going out of my chest. I'm like, and this guy plays for my team. Let's go! But then, if he does live up to Mike Trout's Reputation because now he's the highest paid player in all of baseball, getting paid four hundred million in his contract. Uh, the Rays, the Rays payroll is like thirty million, so Wander will be gone in about three years. So I hope we get a World Series within that time. I mean, the, the thing is, yeah, think about it. Mike Trout is probably the first player that we've seen since first, probably like how do you say it? Probably the best all around baseball player. Easy. Who's the last one that you could think of before him? Before Mike Trout? Yes, I, I have my answer. Okay, before Mike Trout, when it who comes had, to— Who had an immediate impact coming into the league? 
young age? At a young age, who had an immediate impact? I would say uh, Manny Machado mm. and also Fernando Tatis mm. Jr. I would say Ken Griffey Jr. Well, uh, yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. Because here's why. Because he was a former number one overall pick. Exactly. He's 18 years old. Exactly. And also, he had an immediate impact. I mean, he was in the majors immediately. He made an impact. He was going to playoffs and... I mean, you saw his career. I mean, he was three ballot. I mean, three votes short of a hundred percent on his Hall of Fame and on his first ballot. So he's the only guy that I can think of that Mike Trout compares to that had that's had this type of legacy. Because uh, I wouldn't say Machado had such consistency as Mike Trout and, and Junior did, but maybe who knows? Yeah, that it's. It, I think. There have been other big prospects since Ken Griffey Jr. Now, Jr. was a number one overall pick, number one overall prospect, and he spent majority of his career living up to that standard. A-Rod, uh, but also P, uh, P, uh, PEDs, mm-hmm. certainly played the early part of his career, was another guy who, and even for the same team, for the Mariners, you know, came up, played great was the highest paid player in North America at one point. He was the first $100 million athlete, and now that's actually extremely common for players to get paid $100 million. Uh, Even Carson Wentz earned himself a $100 million contract, and we're going to get into him later. Uh, He's no longer with the Eagles, but, you know, it's funny how we've come along to where, you know, the $300 million contract is going to be fairly common for a good player not just a great player you know you have to be one of the best athletes in all of the world in order to make a contract like that but one day in the future that's going to be common but uh you know we're, we're getting kind of lost in, in in the conversation but it all boils down to baseball is going to be back in pensacola we're both excited uh we have our intern ren with us we're going to get her on the mic here in a little bit and we're going to get her thoughts about the whole sports landscape in her eyes but I'm excited that here locally, a lot of things are about to go down. We're Not only do we have the Blue Wahoos coming back in May, but coming up here in early March, get ready. The Sun Belt Conference is bringing their basketball tournament here, and we've been promoting this for over a year, and it's almost here. In about 10 minutes, by the way, we're going to have Nicole Stacy from Visit Pensacola. She's going to be on the program to sort of break down what all is going on with the tournament, what it is that the fan can expect we're going to be there but we also as we lead up to the tournament we have a ton of tickets to give away and by a ton i mean we have to really get creative with our programming because we have so many tickets to give away that means you as the listener have so many opportunities to win tickets to go see the sunbelt conference tournament I'm excited. This is both for the men's and women's. It's going to be awesome, and we're going to get into that more. But first, we're going to take our first time out. You're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Yeah, by the way, shout out to Bart Scott for recording that for us. Uh, you can catch Bart and Han on our station from 11 to noon every Monday through Friday. Called It's Bart and Han, Bart Scott, Alan Han. Actually, Alan Han also just recorded some stuff for us as well, so I'll have to dive into there and 
uh, put that together one day. But no, yeah, shout out to Bart Scott. He, uh, he was kind enough to record some stuff for us the, uh, the other day. So uh, good move on his part. Really, the whole ESPN family, they're so good to their affiliates because anytime we need anything, whether it be an interview or some, we need some lines recorded just so we can make our station sound nice. Like they are always willing to help. The biggest personalities are always willing to jump in and help us out. So big shout out to ESPN Radio and their affiliates department. They do a great job of hooking us I mean, up. And speaking of one of them that's had a very, very busy week, Chris Fowler. Who, Chris Fowler. And oh, up, yeah. And, and going over the Aussie Open. And uh, I believe the first first slam final was today between uh, yeah, Osaka. Naomi, yeah, Naomi Osaka. Shout out to her. She won her fourth Grand Slam title today. Yep. And, uh, uh, I guess or maybe it was like last night, but it's it's in Australia, so everything's like 12 hours ahead. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, or it 24 a, hours. It was at uh, 2.30 a.m. Eastern time, so 1.30 here. It was going on. I was watching a little bit of it, actually, because I was still up. And let's see. I know Chris, because I always tune in the Chris Fowler's uh, Instagram. I always like... Yeah, well, yeah he is he, an active Instagram. He, he, he is. I and, like his Instagram. I mean, he's always big with um, tequila and lemon juice. That's like his thing. Like, he always tequila has like... Tequila and lemon juice? Yes, like, that, like that's his basically thing. Basically a margarita, but not a margarita? Basically, like it, he always uh. posts it. He's like, it's like, he calls it like tequila time, like after work and everything. I mean, he always has like a, a, a uh. bottle. I was just like, uh, I can't remember He's got to be sponsored. I'm you know, I heard a maybe because he, he shows the bottle. All this time. is going to send me on a little bit of a tangent, and just bear with me here, okay? Bear with me. I was going to go but, on a tennis tangent, but you go but, on yours. No, you mentioned tequila, and I just wanted to mention this. I'm not the world's biggest tequila fan, by the way, unless it's in a margarita. Dan and Shay are. Uh, yeah, good for them. Good for Dan and Shay. <laughs> good for Dan and Shay. Yeah, when I taste tequila. Yeah. yeah I, I'll be honest. I have my. I, I like some of their songs, but I swear if I hear it, yeah, I should probably go to bed one more not, time. I'm going to lose it. I don't know if I should probably say that. I, I, I'm going to lose it. Talent uh, yeah, watch, you need to watch yourself. Yeah, no, I know. I probably shouldn't say to. that. If I hear I should probably go to bed one more time, I'm going to lose it. But No, that was anyways. the running theme. That was me and, me, me and Big Moose's running theme song for when I had to do hurricane coverage out at the, out at the tower. <laughs> I should probably you know, go to bed. Yes, no, because like I get there. Moose is there till 10 p.m., and like we put on I should go to bed as Moose, Moose is hopping on. I was like, you should go to bed too, Justin, but you got to be here till like 4 a.m., 6 a.m., this and that, yeah. this and that. Hey, I was that, like, yeah. That's just a reminder. Certainty that we, now. That's a reminder. Hey, you know what? We hold our people here in our stations to a high standard, and whenever we have hurricane coverage, we're around the clock. So that's just what we do. It's what we have to do, and we're honest. It's, it's tough, but looking back, it is completely worth it. But I do want to say this. To go on a quick tangent, it's not going to last long. So – I don't really follow the Jenners or the Kardashians that much, although apparently Kim and Kanye are getting a divorce. Oh, well. I am honestly upset about this one thing. Kendall Jenner, I think it's her, she started her own tequila brand, and she's now being accused of, like, gender, or not gender, race associating, or whatever it's called. It's, it's basically like she is making a tequila, although she is American and not Mexican. And so therefore, she's taking something and she's like being stereotypical or They're something like that. Cult, cultural appropriation. Yeah, cultural appropriation. Uh, 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 she is cultural. She's doing cultural appropriation by you creating appropriation. Appropriation. Yes. yes. <laughs> by the way, Ren, we're, she's going to become more actively a part of our show. We're very happy to have her here. Uh, sort of letting her get. It's called uh, eight one. It's called eight one eight. That's what it's called. I'm pretty sure that's, that's what her, area so, code, so right? all she does is make a tequila, and now she's being col- uh, accused of uh, culturally appropriating. 
Yeah. Like the Mexican culture or something like that. Because I'm just going to sit here and say this, and it's a real simple question. Who cares? Like, really? This is an issue? A couple of people have an issue on social media, so now Good Morning America and takes this and decides they need to highlight it. Really, is this an issue? Yeah. Is this really an issue? Do you actually lose sleep over this? The only reason I would judge her for this brand is if it's good or bad. Is it good? That, I mean, is it good enough for me to try it? All it is. I mean, that's, I, we don't even like getting into race on this show or anything it's, along the lines of that because it's just not us. But really, someone makes a product of liquor and you want to blow them up because she is American and not well, Hispanic. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just like. And she's being accused of cu- cultural appropriation. Who cares, actually? All she did was make a tequila. I'll go out and make a tequila. Am I, am I now racist all of a sudden? Am I stereotypical? No, I made a product that I hope makes money. It's called being a business person. Uh, Sammy Hagar makes a tequila called Cabo Wabo, which is also a, an extremely famous Van Halen song. Does that make him a cultural appropriator. I don't even I don't even know if I'm actually saying it right, but that's how little this actually is an issue. The big thing is, is it a profitable product? It's called the, business. The Rock makes tequila. Rock makes and tequila. He, and he George is, Clooney. He is Samoan. George Clooney makes it one of the best tequilas called Casa Amigos. Like, does that make, is this actually an issue? Yeah. No, I don't think it's an issue, but if you're a polarizing figure like J- Kendall Jenner, and yes, I will call her a polarizing figure, if she were to show up to Pensacola one day, you better believe the media is going to be on top of it. Not me, because I just don't care enough, but you better believe she's going to have a paparazzi of some Jimmy kind. Buffett, he also makes one. Thank you, Mom. Yeah, there you go. So it's not actually an issue, but for some reason, a, a, um, a, I see Good Morning America on our TVs at work because it's always on. They, like, highlighted the issue. They didn't accuse her of anything, but they highlighted the issue because other people were. And it just bothered me because this is such a dumb thing to argue about. Is this really an issue? I don't think so, but they had to bring it up. I mean, it's also Hollywood and, you know, every step you take is being watched if you're of such high stature out there, of course, and any move you make, someone's going to try and make it look a negative. No one's ever going to... I mean, they're so used to it by now, though, let's be real, because... Why even waste your energy over it? Like, that's, just, that's just what they do. Has a tequila. Nick, Nick Jonas. Jonas. The Jonas Brothers. Jimmy Buffett has one, and Jimmy Buffett is literally... They were, I mean, where, Jimmy Buffett's from where? He's, is he South Florida, right? Pasco, no, he's from uh, Pascagoula. Uh, he's from he, Pascagoula. Pascagoula. My 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 reading is over two on the day now. Yep, you're you're swinging and missing. But no, that was just no, that was just something that caught my eye yesterday. And I was on air for news radio, our sister station. I do the by the way, I'm the producer of the Pensacola Morning News from five to nine. Check us out. I just saw that on Good Morning America, and I just thought to myself, why is this even an issue? Being charged with cultural appropriation, like is this? Are we how is this another level of PC culture that we're entering? I ju- I hope not. And maybe it's really not an issue. Maybe it really isn't. But for some reason, Good Morning America had to even highlight it. Like really? And they but they I will say they did do their due diligence. They did mention the other non-Hispanic people that are currently the their owners of their own tequila brand. It's not like they create it, but you know they own the brand. 
So they did highlight other people that own it. And so I think they were just trying to add like a perspective. Like, and, I, and I would like to think they weren't trying to take a side on this. They were just simply bringing it up. But it just bothered me like crazy. But you know what? At this time, I'm going to now tw- turn it around and bring up a really positive thing. We do have the Sunbelt Conference coming here uh, in just a couple of weeks. You do. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to be missing a bulk of it because I'm going to Chicago during that time. Well, don't you worry because uh, the Corner 3 shows here to take the, care of that for you. The cor- uh, Corner 3, uh, by the way, just, Justin, a show that you, Zach, and Sean do, which is really, really good, by the way. I've caught it nearly every week since it's been on, and it's really, really good. I know you guys are gonna hold down the uh, hold down the court. I almost said the fort, but you're gonna hold down the court while you're over at either the Bay Center or PSC. There's two locations where the games are happening. Yes. We're gonna get into that, and we have Nicole Stacy. One of my, actually, I know it's kind of cliche to call somebody who's a guest on your program your friend, but her and I actually are good friends. Uh, she'll be joining the program. She's with Visit Pensacola, the leading marketing agency for the city of Pensacola and Pensacola Beach and the surrounding area, all the places for you to visit. She'll be joining the program to break down the tournament and some of the really cool things you're going to be going on during that tournament for you, the listener, and us to be able to enjoy. That's next on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. This is former NFL Pro Bowler Bark Scott, and you're listening to The Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. ESPN Pensacola, thirteen thirty AM and ninety nine one FM. And at this time, I'm very pleased to introduce Nicole Stacy to the program. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications for Visit Pensacola. That's the leading marketing agency for Pensacola and the surrounding area, like the beach and Perdido. And there's just so many fun things to do here. And one of the fun things that will be happening is the Sunbelt Conference Basketball Tournament. And we are very excited to bring on Nicole so we can talk about that tournament coming up. Nicole, welcome for the first time to our show, Sports Call. Yeah, thank you for having me, and good morning. Happy Saturday. So, Nicole, we have a very exciting tournament coming up. We've been promoting this for over a year now, and finally, even as COVID is still present, we are finally bringing back more live sports to Pensacola in the form of a basketball tournament. I am beyond excited to have the Sun Belt Conference tournament here. Yeah, I can't believe it's been a year. I was literally looking at memories the other day, and the press conference popped up that we were planning and that we hosted. So we are all really excited for this event to take place in Pensacola. And the best part about it is it's a five-year event at least. So they're going to be here every year. We're so excited to host them. We've been working really hard as a community to get ready for them. Um, and we're just so excited to have you guys as partners to join us in on all this fun. Uh, we're excited. We know I've, I'm definitely planning on getting set up out there. I plan on attending games, at least the ones that I can attend before I leave for vacation. And also, the, we're going to be giving away a ton of tickets. I already told our listeners here that we have so many tickets to give away that it, it's gonna, there, there are opportunities for, for people to go see some live basketball here in Pensacola. So uh, from a marketing standpoint, just talk, tell us about really the past year 
And even as COVID has been around, tell us about the marketing strategy behind putting on this tournament and getting people excited to experience Pensacola. Sure. So it's really been a community effort, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that more than one time. So visit Pensacola, Pensacola Sports, the Bay Center, the city, the county. We've all been working hand-in-hand with the Sunbelt Commission to really put together a great program in a year of unknowns. So we know that there's still COVID. We know that things are still going to look a little different. But this is our year to still invite people safely to come and enjoy these 12 universities who the men and the women's basketball teams are going to be playing their heart out. I mean, as you can remember, Davidson College, it was so exciting. And so we don't want to take anything away from these students. We want them to have their time. And we're really excited to invite their friends, their families, the alumni to come and enjoy this destination because, as we know, it's a beautiful destination. There's so much to do. And we really hope to kind of entice people once they get a little taste of Pensacola this year. They'll be coming back for more year after year. And like you said, we have a five-year deal, so people are able to come back on a yearly basis to go watch their favorite teams play in this basketball tournament and have a vacation while they're at it. Now, do you know if there are any festivities planned, activities planned for the teams involved when they get here, or is it just straight to basketball? Are there any uh, festivities planned for them to be able to experience some of the culture of Pensacola? Sure. So the way it's going to work is we do have a host committee, and these hosts are really the cheerleaders for each team. They're going to be welcoming the teams individually. They're going to be giving them this information packet, if you will, of all the great things that they are able to do, but it's really going to be straight to basketball for the teams. Now, we've put together a lot of events with the Downtown Improvement Board, with local businesses and restaurants and bars to really invite the fans. So we're going to have free trolley routes running that weekend. The people that are attending a game can hop on a trolley and get downtown to grab lunch or to grab a cocktail to get back to the game. Uh, We've got Fan Fest planned for that Sunday, and that's going to be a free event outside at the Bay Center. So we really encourage people to come and just enjoy. We have safety protocols for all of these things in place, but we're all working hand-in-hand to provide a really exciting weekend for Pensacola, our locals, and our guests, and to really kind of welcome these teams. You know, they're going to be here for five years, so we know that as things get better and as vaccines come along and as COVID dwindles away, hopefully, um, we'll be able to really, really show them the hospitality that we're known for. But this year, we're going to do the best we can with what we've got and do it safely. Hey, Nicole, Stacey, it's uh, Justin Patrick. I wanted to ask, so going along hands of, you know, you want to have a great fan experience, of course, but also I wanted to ask about the players' experience because, you know, a lot of these players probably might not have ever been to Pensacola. I wanted to know what is it going to be that will be that the tournament will be doing to incorporate these players into enjoying their time in Pensacola and the events that they'll be involved in to get involved with the city. Sure. I mean, we are definitely putting together opportunities. So we've got host bars that are going to decorate and cheer for each individual team. There's 12 um, for the men and the women. I know that the Sunbelt Commission, they've got some pretty tight rules. So like I said, these players are going to be mostly straight to basketball this year. But again, as they get a little taste for Pensacola, I think that it'll only get them more excited for the years to come. It's a short a short, short tournament. So they come in on Thursday, they leave on Monday. So it's really going to be all basketball. But I think in true Pensacola form that our 
uh, of locals, our community leaders, and all of these groups that are really putting these plans together are going to show them the best hospitality that we can and really make them remember how Pensacola is so special uh, for the years to come. And this is a five-year deal. So thinking in the long run, when we do have a functioning bridge once again, I would like to think in 2022, COVID is going to be in the, a thing in the past. Uh, there's a reason why I'm scheduling my wedding around that time. But in terms of the long run, think a year from now, even two years from now, what do you see this tournament being, especially with the involvement of Really, now you throw Pensacola Beach in the mix because you have the functioning bridge. Where do you see this tournament and the city's involvement at a year from now? Oh, I think it's going to be huge. I think you could see Pensacola Beach getting involved. I think you could see things like the city just painted in sunbelt colors with all the different teams. You know, you could throw in a parade. You could throw in a downtown festival, if you will, instead of just a very small fan fest at the Bay Center. I think we all have really big and exciting ideas, and unfortunately we're not able to do them this year, but that doesn't mean we can't plan for them in the years to come. So I think you're absolutely right. I see the teams not only staying in our local accommodations here in downtown Pensacola, but in all of our accommodations north and west Pensacola, but also Pensacola Beach. It's a real challenge this year because of the bridge, and they know that it's all basketball, so they've got to be able to get to their practices and to the games on time. So not a lot of them want to take that risk, but once that beach is open, I guarantee you we're going to see a lot of traffic out on Pensacola Beach for these kids to enjoy not only their games, but the destination. So I want to ask a quick question. And by the way, we have Nicole Stacy on the program. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications for Visit Pensacola. When it comes to attendance at these basketball games, do you know what the city is doing for uh, attendance? What the how many people can be in one uh, facility at one time? Uh, the attendance cap. Do you know what, what what those numbers will be? I do. So the Pensacola Bay Center, and that's a county building. They're going to be running at fifty percent capacity. Okay. So face coverings will be required. Um, the seating for the Bay Center will be at 50%. I do know that with the size of Pensacola State College, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for outside attendees. So we're really pushing for people to go ahead and purchase their tickets at the Bay Center. You can purchase tickets online at Ticketmaster. You can go to visitpensacola.com sunbelt if that's easier. Um, there's a lot of information out there online, but we are going to put the safety protocols in check. Uh, but we want to have a really exciting tournament, and we want people from the local community to come and enjoy this, but also to cheer these guys on and these women on because it's a really special time for them. All right, I got to know, are you pulling for a certain team in this tournament to win it all? You know, I, I, that would be unfair. I'm pulling for all <laughs> of these universities. That. I'm very excited for them all to be here. I guess if I had to choose one, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not no, gonna uh, she's going to say, oh, she's gonna say yeah. South it's Alabama. All, all the best of luck. Oh, man. Oh, okay. Well, what about you, know, you guys? You know, I, that's a tough one. I think I think I, I naturally have to pull for South Alabama because they're the closest one. But we have a lot of people that went to Troy yeah. around here. I have friends that went to Troy. Uh, we have uh, we here at our office. We have big Appalachian State fans, so I I know who they're pulling for. I I, can't, I don't know yet. I can't pull for App State, knowing that they're kind of rivals to Marshall right now. Uh, so I can't pull for them. Uh, probably South Alabama for me though. Uh, either way, I'm just uh, I'm like you, well, Nicole. South Alabama is doing really well right now. So yep. It's a really exciting time, and you know, with Mobile being so close to us, 
this is an opportunity back to the marketing um, for us to really hone in on our friends that are so nearby. Mobile's close, Troy's close, Louisiana is a hot market for Pensacola. So it was an opportunity for us to kind of still share the destination and invite people like we always do in some of these markets, but then to remind them, hey, your schools are going to be here. And how cool is that, that you can enjoy these beautiful beaches and cheer on your teams? You know, it's a really cool thing. I'm I'm excited to have some Division One basketball happening here, and whoever wins this tournament automatically clinches a spot into the field of 64. Actually, 68, I should say. So the road to March Madness begins in Pensacola, and I can't wait. It's so exciting. It's so exciting to say that. I was talking to a friend last night, and she's like, "Wait, like March Madness?" And I'm like, "Yes, it's a huge deal." And I really hope that the Pensacola community is excited. I hope they're proud and I really hope they'll come out and enjoy it. Well, Nicole, I, I, you are awesome. You're a great friend of mine and looking forward to getting this all underway. And I can't wait to see how it all goes down. Uh, Nicole Stacy, director of marketing and communications for visit Pensacola. Thanks for taking the time to break down the festivities for us. And we will see you uh, downtown or at P- PSC for the festivities. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll see you guys soon. And if you want tickets, check out Ticketmaster or visit Pensacola.com slash Sunbelt. I will see you guys soon. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And tickets are cheap. So looking forward to uh, seeing everyone downtown or at PSC for the festivities. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to love it or hate it on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. This is former NFL Pro Bowler Bark Scott, and you're listening to The Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. As always, we appreciate it when our friends over at Visit Pensacola are able to join the program and we can discuss all things good about Pensacola, but also this basketball tournament. I'm fired up. And now at this time, whenever you hear that music, that means one thing and one thing only. It's time to love it or hate it. Justin Patrick's going to read off some scenarios. We're going to discuss those scenarios in the forms of loving it or hating it. And we also have Ren with us, and she's going to join in on the conversation. Justin, go. All right. How about this? Um, I know that most of us don't really keep up with Sunbelt basketball that much, but we're about to start because, I mean, we're two weeks till tournament, and, you know, this is crunch time for these teams that every conference game matters. I want to say this. An Alabama team will be in the finals. So an Alabama team will be in the finals, huh? That, uh, what does that include? That includes South Alabama yep. and Troy. Troy, and that's it? Yeah, because, I mean, you've got two Georgia teams, the Georgia Southern and Georgia State. You have a Louisiana team and two Louisiana teams at the University of Louisiana Monroe and Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, you know what? I love it. South Alabama's a, a good team. Troy, uh, not so much. Uh, I love it. South Alabama, I think, could be a finalist team. I mean, it is going to be March, and we do we know what happens in March. Absolute madness. Ren, how you feel? I mean, I like what you said. I think I'm, I'm going to go for South on this one for sure. So we got South. All right, so we got we have we're giving some love for South Alabama. I like it. No, I think you're right. Anything can happen in March, but dude, this South Alabama team actually has been a pretty decent team this year. I mean, they have a 15 and 8 record. The winner of the conference does move on to their conference 
they move on to the March Madness tournament. The field of it's actually 68. I know it's because there's those two play-in games for the field of 64, but even the winner of this conference can make it in. So I I'm pretty excited no matter what. But I'll I'll give the edge to South Alabama. All right, how about this? So I love it completely, by the way. But moving on to the next subject, we will see. The Watt brothers on the same defensive line next season. So you, that means that they would be I'd all in Pittsburgh yes. together. I hate it. I think that he's going to go to another team in the North region. Many people are saying Cleveland now. They're thinking Cleveland. Hey, you know what? Cleveland can be a hot place to go. You have a really strong defensive line led by one of the best defensive linemen in the country out of Miles Garrett. Why wouldn't he want to join the Browns? They're a hot team right now. And with how they played last season, I think they're going to build off that success. But they they are missing some key elements. And yet they managed to win 11 games and a playoff game, mind you, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the Browns have something moving in the right direction. Clearly something is missing. They need more offensive help. But to bolster your defensive line by adding J.J. Watt is only going to be a plus. I caution whoever signs J.J. Watt. I caution them because he's going to get a lot of money, but I fear there's going to be some buyer's remorse because he does keep getting injured. Yeah, you know, he's got his, he's been very injury prone these past couple of years, but I feel like seeing these two work together, it'll be a different type of energy. I've always said the younger brother is always the better brother, and TJ, in my opinion, is going to be the better brother, and I know some people think I'm crazy when I say that, but I mean, when you look at the Bosa brothers, I mean, Nick Bosa, in my opinion, he's the better player. Um, there's multiple sets of brothers that do that. And I feel like JJ is just going to be a really big veteran role to TJ and just show him a lot. And I think it's going to feel JJ a tremendous amount to just be able to just be there playing with his brother. I, I, I think it'll be an, honestly a really cool thing. It would, it would be cool It'd to also see them all be a, a huge, and, huge force to be reckoned with. And clearly they're all really close. I mean, they do subway commercials together now. So they're clearly, uh, they're close. I don't think he's going to go to the Steelers in the end. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see it, but because we all want to fantasize seeing, like, family football. You know, we always like seeing that. Let's see. Deshaun Watson will be going to the Carolina Panthers because they they expressed a lot of interest in him. Well, first off, I want to start by saying that he will leave Houston eventually. Yes. And... Uh, by the way, shout out to our friends in Texas. They've been dealing with a ton of issues out there with the snow. Uh, one of our, consult- our our consultant for the radio station lives out in San Antonio, and it's been a mess out there. Luckily, she's doing okay, so we're thinking about them at this time. Uh, now moving on to sports, though. I think he will leave Houston. I don't think he's going to Carolina, so I hate it. But also... Uh, goes to New England? No, he's not. Going no, wish, well, although he could. I mean, he could. Why not? I don't They're see not. Why you would. They need a quarterback. Cam no, Newton's not coming back. I mean, look, New England is third on cap space available right now. So, I look, Cam Newton's not coming back. If he is, I, I will express so much anger. On this I, station. <laughs> I, I will say, though, Houston just in general has a terrible front office. Their ownership is by far awful because they do the player. Their relationship with the players is just not good. And Deshaun Watson is demanding. He be traded. He is so fed up with the organization. And yet they're out here saying we're not trading him. Okay. Well then you're asking him to not report to camp then. All right. All right. How about this? So we can just, we can talk about this going into the next segment. Deshaun Watson is out of line and way out of position on the remarks that he's made on this team. 
saying that he should have been consulted on hirings and the upper. I I understand. I'm going to say I hate it. I understand where people are coming from, though, by saying this guy gets paid hundreds of millions of dollars to go play the sport that everyone wishes they could be able to play, or at least many people wish. You know, only, what, 1% of youth football players will actually make it to the pros, less than that. And Deshaun Watson is one of the best when it comes to being at that level. He really is. However, I think he has a point. Yeah. When it comes to being a leader on the team and essentially not being given the responsibilities that you were promised to be given. He, he was told he could have some input. And apparently that input means nothing to the team. He doesn't have a good relationship with the team. He should leave. All right, we can talk about it. We can talk about it next on ESPN Petscall 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Hi there, this is Chris Fowler of ESPN and ABC, and you're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM, 99.1 FM. FM. This is Sports Call with Davis and Justin, and we're hanging out in the studios of ESPN Pensacola. I'm standing now because I feel like I've been sitting too long, but you can also catch us on our YouTube live stream where we're just, you know, making radio into TV magic and take, you can take a look at some of the beautiful things that we have in the studio that are all Pensacola-centric. We have some boxing gloves signed by Roy Jones Jr. Those are Roy Jones Jr. That's yeah, what I thought. Those are Roy Jones Jr. boxing gloves. We have, of course, the ESPN Pensacola banner in the background we have also chad's sports drive banner host of sports drive chad brilliante this is probably my favorite uh the uh the news journal article front page written by eric wallace good friend and it has uh, he is reed redemption as a mr Austin reed very good friend of the show very good yeah. friend of ours also you can catch all uwf action on this station as well like the blue wahoos like the jersey you see right here you also have the uwf argos flag you have an ice flyers banner right here a pennant so you know we just all pensacola centric we also have a lot of psc memorabilia in here as well like jerseys and they even gave us a baseball bat uh, it's a really old baseball yeah. bat that you couldn't use today. It's all cracked and chipped. But the voodoo, even man. Bill, I, I never liked the voodoos. I actually, really the it. voodoo was – I never really used it, although I was a DeMarini fan back when they had the BESR bats, which if you don't really follow baseball that well, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. I, I now, if you played ball or if you uh, if you were a coach, you know what I mean when I say BESR or when I say BB Core. BB Core was one of the worst things to ever happen to baseball temporarily Players have since adjusted to BB Core and, in my opinion, have made them better hitters because basically what it did was BESR had so much pop in the bats that pitchers in particular were in danger if a ball was hit back. And if you got hit by a baseball, it could have catastrophic well, I mean, results. That's why college baseball is just, was just so much fun to watch all the time back in like the 10s and like, a, a, like around then just because the balls were just stroked. I yeah. mean, like, like it was like, nothing. I think, and the home run derby... They still do it today. They they use MLB baseballs, which those have a flight better than any baseball known to man because the seams are flat on the ball. And they can use any bat they want to use. So they can use those BESRs. They normally normally grab the the old school like stealths, which the stealth used to be a pretty popular bat, although I never had one. I was a big fan 
of my I, I, I did have a Demarini, but I had the Demarini Vexum. It was the silver, the I, silver yeah, long had, barrel with the yellow. Oh, the the Demarini Vexum. Did was you a have the yellow? I, I had, I yeah, had the silver I, and yellow. I had the silver and yellow, and then I also had the blue and black as well. I, I had both those. The blue types. and black was a pretty popular battle. I, I, but the thing is, I wasn't a big fan of it just because I had. Um, let's see. I had a, a Mako before that and a Surge, Eastern Surge. The Surge was fun. The Surge was a good bat. I, I love the I, Surge. So I didn't really have that many Eastern bats. I know mm. we're kind of geeking out over yeah. baseball apparel, mm. but just bear with us on this one. When I got to high school, actually before I got to high school, I swung a, and I believe it or not, I did do this. I swung a 3330 uh, a T, a Louisville Slugger XO. XO and so the okay. XO, in my opinion, were the best BESR bat out there. In my opinion, just in my opinion, I didn't like the stealths because I didn't like how the barrels had the flex in there, middle of that. I did not like that at all. The, to me, I thought it was weird. One of my friends had that bat, and I used it in a game one time, and I like, used it once, and that was it. I was done. I loved the XO because it was that solid barrel. And here's where I went wrong, and everyone on my baseball team tried to get me to stop, but I kept doing it. My freshman through sophomore year, I swung a 3330, which when you were 5'9 and 120 pounds, because I was that skinny, that is way too big of a bat to swing, way yeah. too heavy of a bat to swing. But I was arrogant in my head and thought I could swing it. And I, at times, swung it really well. But then finally, I came to my senses and I started swinging a 32. 29 which i come to realize oh my goodness like this bat is much lighter and i can handle it so much better well by the time that all came around i was uh we all had to switch to the bb core which I, if you're watching on our youtube live stream you will notice i'm holding a bb core a besr basically covered majority of the barrel well the bb core now has a much smaller sweet spot but if you square up on the sweet spot the ball can still fly and that's why i think College players and high school players are much better now because they have to find that sweet spot and they're learning how to square up on the ball better. And and I think once again we're back to having powerhouse hitters. Well, yeah, for the fact of the reason it's you're not using these BS BSRs bats, which when you can think about it, when these players go from college to minor or major league, they're going to wood bats. Which, you know, the sweet spots aren't the on those are completely different. It's a whole different type of bat. So, you know, that's why we see some of those power hitters fail ultimately in the majors. But I will say this: two bats that I used in high school that were my favorite bats. Uh, my sophomore and junior year, I used the Louisville Slugger nine one sixes, and that I don't know if you ever played in using those, but it was just like, I know I did was, not know it was red, black, and like a neon green. I hit my first home run with that bat, and then also in my senior year, I used a thirty three. 30 XL1, those bright orange Easton bats. It was like one of my buddies, he had just like stopped playing. It was a 2015 bat with still so much pop in it, and I loved it so much. It was so much fun to use. I've always, like, if there, I wish, like, if there's a batting cage in town somewhere around here, we could just, like, sell a remote to him, and, like, we could just do this show from that batting cage. Because I would, what? Fast Eddie's. That's right. Fast Eddie's does, does have, have a batting cage. No, yeah. like, that's like your, like, amusement park kind of batting cage. I've always wanted to, like, like hit. There, and there are, there are, I think there are cages here that have, like, like, are, like, actual batting cages that you would find. Like, at Gulf Breeze, I was fortunate to have an indoor batting cage, which was awesome to have. Only a couple of high schools in this area that I know of have a true indoor batting Milton, cage. No one had a pavilion. Tate had, Tate was indoor. Uh, Escambia has an indoor. Escambia does have an indoor. Pensacola uh, High, they have 
it's basically an indoor, but it's open on one side of it. Uh, but there, there is like uh, doors. It connects to the locker room. It's 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 not too bad. Uh, I know Milton. They are one of the like, pretty much the only schools that I can think of, at least, where the locker room was not really connected to anywhere sort of the field. Our locker room was in the in the in the connected to the gym building out in left field in that parking lot, whereas in, like, uh, most other locker rooms where, like, you'll see, like, Pace or perhaps Tate, they had their locker room right there, like, on their sidelines. I want to – so I want to express some grief for my high school because I graduated in 2013, and we had, like, this old – little you know it it was a small clubhouse it reeked you know like any come on it's like any locker room locker rooms are gonna smell and it's just what it is okay you have sweaty athletes going in there changing you know they're they're all their clothes are dirty it is what it is you get used to it the smell doesn't bother you anymore but we basically had like a shed of a clubhouse because it was old but they were building the new one and it was supposed to be ready by my senior year, but due to, I think, foundation issues, there was an issue with the foundation. They had to pause and, like, I think, like, completely restart construction. So it wasn't ready to go until the year after I was done playing baseball at Gulf Breeze. And I came back for a year to coach, but I I was a one-and-done coach for at least Gulf Breeze. I did go on to coach the Wave organization for a year also, which, by the way, was a ton of fun. And coaching back at Gulf Breeze was fun. I so I only got to experience the clubhouse as a coach. I never got to experience it as a player. So I have some grief to, to share with my school because I didn't get to experience the really cool up-to-date clubhouse that everyone else now gets to experience. I did, though. You got to experience it. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. My my freshman year on the Gulf Free softball team was when we got an indoor batting cage. And ours is way nicer than y'all's. Well, yeah. I bet, well, yeah, y'all's Not is newer. I mean, it's a flex. Nice flex. Both, I didn't get any of that. But the but. locker rooms at Gulf Free's now are pretty luxury, I will say. They are very nice. That doesn't surprise me. Really, I think that's a lot of high schools now. I mean, Gulf Breeze, we're fortunate to have a really good boosters program that my dad was actually like uh, one of the people in charge of for a while, at least while I was playing. They wanted him to come back, and he was like the vice president of boosters. They wanted him to come back even after I graduated. He's like, no, my son graduated. I'm I'm done. So he he didn't come back. Physically, no way Milton can put a, a locker room on where their dugout is located just because it's literally right off uh park park street which is i mean you walk out the dugout and look back there's a fence five feet in the road where cars are just going like 35 miles per hour down so there's no room for building there the only way possible i could think of it is that if they switch their home dugout to the third base side and they just push back the bullpens and they can probably build a not huge but decent sized locker room it's something that won't be done because i just don't see anyone in milton trying to make that sort of call but that's the only way possible. So I sort of, I think we got kind of derailed, but it's always fun kind of reflecting, going back and looking at, you know, the days in high school and, you know, being baseball players. Ren was a softball player and the amenities that these younger guys get now, these younger girls and guys, they get these nice facilities. I remember the football facility before they built the complex that they have now was sort of like the old baseball facility, just old. You know, they had it for a very long time, and it, you just need the updates, but you also need the funding. So by the time the funding finally arrives, you can start getting these nice facilities. And, you know, these people now get it. And I would like to think people like me had to help pave the way for people like y'all to have the nice things that you have now. Yep. I feel like I'm my dad in a way. My dad's like, back in our day, we had to we had to deal with all this 
stuff, and now you kids have it so lucky. Like, imagine not having a cell phone when you're younger now. Like, having a cell phone is like a must. I know some people are like, oh, kids' minds are warped by their cell phone. But are you happy that your kid has a cell phone so you can contact them when you need to? Or track it's, them. Or track them. Yeah, you can track phones. That's a pretty That's a pretty nice feature to have. So, hey, you know, it's like a give and take in a way. You know, you have your positives, you have your negatives, just like anything. 623-1330 is the phone number, by the way, if you want to join in on the conversation. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to have Will Kennedy. He is the voice of the Argos for a number of their sports. He's going to be joining the program to update us on what's going on over at UWF. Also, we're going to sort of talk about the football season and the road ahead, see if he can share some information on when we can expect to see our Argos back on the football field. And also, by the way, I always forget about this because I'm not used to it, but there is spring college football going on right now. Right now, you have Mercer and Wofford, Samford and... East Tennessee State University. I've been to both of those schools, by the way. And my cousin went to Samford, uh, and I have friends that lived at, in Johnson City, Tennessee, which is where ETSU is. And I, we like went around the campus and checked it out. Uh, so those two schools are actually about to get kicked off. Uh, it was the Southern Illinois and the University of North Dakota are about to kick off, and West Carolina. And Furman, my one of my best friends, went to Furman. Southern Illinois. They're getting kicked uh, off. Uh, I believe Austin transferred from. That's right. He, he, he. It was Southern Illinois. Yeah, yep. the Sukies or whatever they're called. I think so. That's what I, the name is. They have a weird name. And also, um, that's where I think Tony Romo went to school. I think Tony Romo went to school there. My dad went there. Your dad went there. Yeah. Heck yeah. So we have some local ties to that school. Anyways, yeah. I say all this to say that even though they're not premier schools, no, he went to Eastern Eastern Illinois. Eastern Illinois. Ah, still, those small Illinois schools are producing some products. I guess that's where Jimmy that. Rapolo yeah. went. Also. Yeah, but, that, that is true. No, but, uh, you know, even though it's not premier schools, these are not schools that we are all so uh, uh, eager to watch, I'm excited to have football back. And also, who's ready to see on Sunday Jackson State, led by their head coach, Deion Sanders, play football? Yeah, I, know. I am because he's recruiting top talent. There are, there are talent going to Jackson State – that are probably they're like they are division one talent like these are guys who could have gone to florida state they could have gone to miami they could have gone to maybe even lsu and they said no nah, i'm gonna go play for prime time and they go to jackson state and it's sort of this movement of players going to these historically black college and universities because they want to really uh, highlight these programs for you know, they're, they're what it is that they are able to do. So, Dion is helping lead the charge to that because he is recruiting top talent. So, looking forward to seeing how Jackson State plays. I think that they're going to be a pretty exciting team to watch. So, uh, with that, we are going to take a timeout. I want to dive a little bit more into the football conversation. I have some thoughts about uh, we we start talking about uh, uh, Deshaun Watson and. Some of the issues going on in Houston over there with him. I want to dive into that next on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Hi there. This is Chris Fowler of ESPN and ABC. And you're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM, 99.1 FM. And it 
was cold this week. It feels really good right now. It's, what, according to my watch, 57 degrees outside. That is perfect weather. Not even a cloud in the sky. So I think I might hit the beach later. Not the sand part of the beach, but the alcohol portion of the beach is where I plan on going. Also, I'm oddly fired up that on Sunday, Escambia County... I don't think it's tomorrow, Sunday, but the next Sunday, Escambia County is going to start doing alcohol sales before 1 o'clock, as as early as 6 a.m. I don't plan on being there at 6 a.m. Don't worry. I'm not going to be that guy that's so eager. But it does come in clutch when you want to have a Sunday fun day and you want to leave early to go to the beach or you're going out on the boat or you're hitting up the, the party to go watch football and you need to stop by the store to go pick up some items and if it's before one o'clock, alcohol couldn't be one of them. But magically go across the bridge in, a, in uh, Santa Rosa County, which used to be a dry county, by the way, and you can go buy alcohol. So it's these these borders, these differences were so idiotic. I'm happy that our commissioners came to their senses and they voted on something that really was dumb to begin with. And I think for a while this could have been changed, but it just wasn't an issue that was brought up. Finally, someone brought it up, and they said, oh, yeah, like we don't need to keep this ordinance anymore, so we can go ahead and change it now, and they voted unanimously, so a good call on their part. But this is Sports Call with Davis and Justin. Also, we have Ren here with us. She's learning the duties of being a producer, and we also like to bring her on and get her thoughts on certain opinions and whatnot. We call them deputy duties. Deputy duties, that's what, yeah, that's right. Deputy, the dep, Ren Dep here, Ren Deputy. Always happy to have you on. That, uh, look, that's just an awesome on-air name. I'm sorry. It, it is. really is. She has a sick last name. I mean, I just want to call her intern deputy or, you know. Deputy intern? Yeah, you know, and then, like, you know, you can be a producer, call them deputy duties. She's doing a great job. We're happy to have you on. She's done a ton for us so far at the station. And we don't have you that much longer, but we, we're going we're gonna gonna to definitely her. use what we can. So, uh, anyways, I want to get into, real quick, the quarterback fiasco going on throughout the league. I want to. I want to. I want to address my first thought, which is I think Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers, so we're not going to worry about that. If you have a different opinion, you can only share it. Deshaun Watson is not going to be in Houston, and it is bonehead if Houston decides they want to try and keep him because he's not going to report to camp. And then also Carson Wentz going to the Colts, I think, was the best move for the Colts. I think this could hurt the Eagles in the long run. I don't think at the moment. At the moment, I haven't seen enough out of Jalen Hurts to say, to think, oh, yeah, they're going to be fine. Like, this is their quarterback well, I, of the future. I haven't seen enough out of Hurts yet. I Give him an offseason. No, I think uh, they're not set on Hurts yet. I think they're going to be going for a quarterback in this this draft. I believe it will be our man out of BYU, Mr. Zach Wilson. That's going to be early because they think he could possibly go number two overall. He can go number two overall. To the Falcons. I, I mean, I mean the Jets. Oh, the Jets, I mean. Sorry, the Falcons like, originally – no, I think I think Justin Fields may end up going to the Falcons, which I think would be a really good matchup considering he's from Atlanta. But I just I was looked at some of these mock drafts. So I'm just like I sit here and look at them. I'm like some of them have just like a, where it goes: Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, and then like it goes: Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and um, I forget the other. Oh, there is so one. much and, talent uh, going in and, this. But draft. the thing is, it's like they just like you list off all right. Top three, top four quarterback prospects. All right, top three, top four wide receiver prospects. That's not how the draft's going to go. I, anyone who makes a mock draft that way, you're out of your blatant mind just for the fact that there will not be three straight wide receivers taken like that. There might be four straight quarterbacks taken like that. I don't see it. There's no reason why we're not going to be seeing an O-line draft in the top three. And I, either way, the Houston Texans, they need to know. They need to figure out what they're going to do with Deshaun. In my opinion... 
just in my opinion, and I don't think they're going to do this because I think their organization as a whole is just a complete mess. But what they should do is go ahead and trade Deshaun Watson. Get those picks. They need picks. They need first-round, second-round picks, and, and they will like, get them for Deshaun Watson. He is unhappy with the organization, so go ahead, trade him. Get really good, solid picks, and even players. Even you know, make, make the value high, right? So give me your first-round pick. Give me your next year's first-round pick while you're at it. Also, give me one of your best defensive players, and then we'll call it even, and I'm willing to bet there's a team out there that will go for that. What do you do with those picks? Go draft yourself a really good quarterback of the future. Or go shop. Maybe there's a quarterback out there you can shop for and go get. Or go shop or, or draft a really good quarterback prospect or a, a quarterback you at least think could turn into a good quarterback prospect. You, I think they've burned a bridge with Deshaun Watson. And also, I think Deshaun Watson has the right to feel upset. He is a quarterback being paid a ton of money. And he was told, you get certain rights and privileges. Now, many players don't get those rights and privileges, but if you're going to pay a player a certain amount of money, you're investing into this guy to be your franchise quarterback for the long run, which means there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made that maybe you want the leader of your team involved in. At least allow him to have an opinion, have a voice. Well, sure, they gave him an opinion. Sure, you can share your opinion, but he was told he was going to have a say at the very least, in some of these decisions. And I think that your franchise quarterback should have a say in what decisions are made because if this guy's going to be your anchor, if this guy's going to be the guy that helps propel your team to the next level, then your quarterback, if they are of that talent, should have a say in some of these decisions. Not the final say, but at least some of the say. And Deshaun said he was going to be given some of that say. He tried to uh, have He tried to say what he thought in terms of the next general manager uh, hire. Not only did they hire a guy that was not on the shortlist for Deshaun Watson, they never even considered the people that he wanted. And I guess that wasn't the final straw. There were other things that happened that I can't really pinpoint that bothered Deshaun Watson. And so he says, look, if I'm supposed to be this guy for the team and they don't want me to have that opinion. They're just going to hear me out and then just disregard everything I say. I don't want to play for that team then. I know there are other teams that will listen to what it is I have to say. If this were a, a quarterback like Sam, uh, uh, my God, I'm blanking Darnold. on his, Sam Darnold for the Jets, I will disregard probably his say because he hasn't been a successful quarterback. Deshaun Watson has been a successful quarterback up to this point. He led all quarterbacks in in uh, offensive play last year in yardage. And also, uh, he was my fantasy quarterback. I was extremely successful in fantasy because of him. So I think a guy like Deshaun Watson has a right to be upset to his level. And I don't think he is going to come back to Houston. Even if Houston sits, there, sits here and says, we're not going to trade him, I think they're delusional if they think they're going to mend this relationship. So by not trading him, all you're doing is making sure he doesn't show up to camp. So what are you going to do? Fine him? Uh He probably won't pay it. Will he have to? He probably doesn't have to. I think that the best thing for success the Houston Texans can do right now at the moment, trade him, get a ton of good draft picks out of it, and then build. Gotcha. 
because no one wants to be in Houston right now. I think they really need to have a, a, a look in the mirror. They need to check their personnel. And apparently this guy, Jack Easterly, is a big part of the problem. I think they need to part ways with him as well. Mm. Um, my opinion on this is Sean Watson's the face of your franchise. Um, still very young in the league, I will say that. So him making these sort of calls and exclamations, it, it, it says a lot about his confidence and what he's bringing to the franchise. I don't know. It's kind of questionable. He might be stepping over the line maybe a little bit. He wants certain guys brought in because he is the guy who your, most of your wins are going to be coming from. So he wants the guys that are going to be working with him, and he likes their play style. He likes their playbook, He under, and they understand him. That's fine. When you think about it, I want you to think about the Patriots dynasty. Who were the top guys, uh, top three guys that controlled things? Tom Brady. Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. Yep. And how would you put that order? How would I put it? What, what order would I put it in? Yep. I would say Belichick, Brady, and then Kraft. I, and I would have honestly gone Belichick, Kraft, Because I think Kraft, what Kraft did a good job of allowing the people on the team and the people who are directing the team mm-hmm. to just do it. The thing is, but you see, you see what I'm st- saying is that Brady is probably the third guy in command when it came to the system. He's the quarterback. He's the face of that franchise. Look at the success they had. In 20 years, they tied the the league most in Super Bowl wins. They went to nine Super Bowls. Went to, I believe, 14 AFC championships. That's just pure success. And it's because Robert Kraft didn't try and just be like Jerry Jones and just control everything. He let the people who are going to be on the field control it because he knows that the people on the field – are the ones that make that success. Yeah. He knows that the people in that wear these suits in the office that probably never played a snap in their life in college, maybe even high school, he knows that they probably shouldn't be controlling these things because they don't know it like these guys on the field do. And that's why the Patriots had such great success. You let your head coach control it, it it's a whole different scenario. Let your quarterback play a big part in it, it's a whole different scenario because Tom Brady was a big reason why. He was the reason why that they were so successful. That's why Urban Meyer wouldn't go somewhere like the Dallas Cowboys because Jerry Jones wants someone that will be under his thumb. That's not Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer wants control of his football team. You know, I understand where some owners come from, the ones that want full control of the team because they probably built an empire of their own outside of football. They built such an enormous amount of wealth in their lifetime because of their success in the business world and they bought a football team, and they buy a professional sports franchise, they want to have that same kind of control. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work like that. Now, Jerry Jones won three Super Bowls in his time as owner. Now, it's been a very long time, and the game has changed quite a bit since he last won those Super Bowls. I think that Jerry needs to get to a point where he needs to allow other people in the organization to control their office. Mm-hmm. I think the Bucks, and of course, it certainly helps that Tom Brady was there. The Bucks and their ownership have done a great job throughout the years allowing the members of their organization to do their job. And it 
finally all came together this year. Jason Light, by the way, the general manager of the Bucks, has actually done a really good job putting together the team. They just needed to get rid of the one guy who kept putting them in losing situations, and that was Jameis Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston was putting them in losing situations, but the defense played pretty well. But it's hard for the defense to play really well all the time when your quarterback keeps throwing pick sixes or when your quarterback keeps throwing interceptions and puts the ball on the other side of the field. Your defense already has their backs against the wall, and finally you have a player who is able to throw some kind of consistency in there and put your team in winning situations and allows the defense to be able to do their job. But the the general manager, Jason Light, although he wasn't really praised a whole lot, he actually has done an extremely good job, and it all culminated with him being able to get the guy who was able to make it all happen. And that was Tom Brady. Go Bucks! I, I know I'm back to that, but I do want to take. I do want to say that uh, overall, it comes a lot of times. A team's success comes down to believing in your staff, believing in your players, not having too much control over every little aspect. And it seems like that is what the Houston Texans are going through right now. And there needs to be a personnel change within the organization. So with that. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back from this break, we have Will Kennedy. He is the voice of the UWF Argos. He's also a teacher at UWF. In fact, he even teaches our own intern, Ren, here. So he'll be joining us to discuss UWF sports as they this are going on right now. Hi there. This is Chris Fowler of ESPN and ABC. And you're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM, 99.1 FM. ESPN Fitz Call, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. Joining us on the program right now, we have the voice of the UWF Argos football team and also numerous other athletics over at UWF. He's also a really good teacher from what we hear from our intern, Ren. It was actually hilarious. Will, when uh, hearing her call you, hey, Mr. Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy, are you ready to come on the show? <laughs> it was awesome. But no, Will, good to have you back on, man. It's been a while. Man, it's been way too long. It's, it seems like forever, but now that is fantastic. That's one of the things I love the most is uh, helping students kind of get, get their dreams off the ground. So it was really cool to have Ren call and say, are you ready to go on the air? Yeah. yeah. He's been uh, – you got me a little bit involved too. I got to be doing yes, a play-by-play play play for the uh, doubleheader tomorrow versus double, uh, Delta State for uh, UWF, which I'm – They're su- baseball, by the yeah, way, baseball. I'm, doing, I'm super stoked about that. I mean, I could be more huge, excited That's that. a huge series. Those are really the two kind of premier programs in the Gulf South Conference for baseball. Of course, UWF here, the Argos, and Coach Mike Jeffcoat, and then Delta State. And, and crazy times that we live in. I mean, we've been fighting – you know, COVID postponements and moving scheduling around. And now we've got weather as part of the whole mix. And so this series was supposed to be at Delta and it's been moved here. So it would have been Friday, Saturday up in Cleveland, Mississippi, but they've got snow and ice. It's like living in Alaska to live in Cleveland, Mississippi right now, apparently. So they came down here. So we're doing a Sunday, Monday, which is really odd for baseball, doubleheader Sunday, single game on Monday. Got softball going this afternoon. In fact, starting here at about, 20 minutes, a doubleheader down at the Fork as the women uh, host West Alabama. And then basketball, home on campus game, 3 o'clock this afternoon, Auburn-Montgomery. So, as you can imagine, we're stretched thin. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to just uh, confirm this. Didn't the the women, Argo basketball team, they just uh, clinched a uh, championship game birthright for the uh, Golf South Conference, correct? 
They're in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Tournament? Yeah. So it's str- yeah, strange this year because this is the first time in in I mean twenty years or so that they've split the Gulf South Conference into two divisions. So we have an East and a West, and you had to finish in the top four men's and women's basketball to make the tournament. So eight teams will go, and yet the Argos coach Stephanie Lawrence Yelton they've they've secured that fourth slot. Still waiting to see as the rest of the schedule plays out who exactly will play. Looks like it'll be Union coming up here in early March, but uh, you know for now. They know they're in, but they want to finish, you know, strong. They won last night, beat Auburn Montgomery on the home court, and look to take a sweep of the series. And that's what's been kind of crazy this year is normally it doesn't work this way. You know, you have men and women playing together, doubleheaders back-to-back at home. But it's kind of gone the Division One model because of COVID and testing and limitations to where the women are at home, the men play Auburn Montgomery at Auburn Montgomery. So those two teams will play this afternoon as well. So it's, it's been different, a lot, a lot of different things thrown at us, and we just kind of have to roll with the punches. Well, see, that's interesting that the Gulf South Conference, how they're doing it this year, is not all teams play in the conference tournament, which is traditionally how it's been in the past, but you actually have to now earn your way even into your own conference tournament. So if we're not in that top four bracket, luckily the women's bracket we are, but if we're not in that top four, the season's over, right? Yeah, it'll end next weekend. Both teams will play. I think the men have a Tuesday night game here coming up uh, this week. And then we finish at Valdosta for the women. Valdosta will be here for the men. Uh, It would take, you know, of course, the men lost last night at AUM. And and that was probably the the final nail in the coffin. They were going to need to win out and and have some other teams lose. And It's just been that kind of season for Coach Jeff Burkhammer and company. They've lost so many close games. It's just been frustrating. But this is a strange season. So only 20 games for basketball, all against conference opponents. So no out-of-conference schedule. I think the minimum you have to play to be considered for postseason is 11 games. So, for instance, last night, that was game number 17, I think, uh, for our women's team. Their opponent, Auburn Montgomery, that was their 10th game. So, you know, they've had postponements and all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of those aren't going to get – the chance to be made up. So for, for the men's team, and what's really crazy this season is everybody gets another season. Even if you're a senior, you can come back and play again next year if you so choose, and the, the program brings you back and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to say this is a throwaway season because there will be a conference tournament, there will be an NCAA tournament, but it's not not the end of the world. You know, I, that does make me – do you know what sort of the, the sense is amongst the players that – our seniors, do you know if they're already talking about coming back next season or are they just planning on graduating and moving on with their lives? Like, Do you have a sense of what some of the players are thinking right now? Isn't that a fascinating topic to kind of think about and talk about? Yeah, I mean, it's different for different players, obviously, and, and depending on, for instance, if you're graduating and you're going into a grad program and that benefits you to come back and play another year, it's all over the board too, fellas, because – you know, we've got football players and, and, and basketball players and tennis and all these other sports that, you know, depending on where they are in their studies, I mean, they may be able to finish a master's degree and, and have that extra year of eligibility. Football is a great one because, you know, obviously we haven't played since the 2019 season. Nothing this fall. We've we'll got some scrimmaging and stuff going on this spring as they have spring football kind of kicking up, and it's a different schedule than it would normally be. But J.C. Robles, for example, He's a grad transfer that came in. He was on the 2019 national championship team. He still has a year of eligibility left, but he's kind of sitting. He he just finished his master's program here at, at UWF. He started a second one because he has one more year of eligibility left, and he wants to play. He wants to finish, you know, his, his college football career on the field. Wants to go out, you know, with a good good feeling. So 
you know, interesting where one guy might do that and another, you know, guy or girl may say, you know what, I'm ready. I've got my degree. I'm ready to get out into the world and start making some money. Because, you know, Division Two is a little bit different than Division One. Most of these athletes are not looking at a professional career after they're done playing at this level. So lots of factors go into that decision. Yeah, and, you know, uh, that you bring up J.C. Robles and the football team. You know, how's spring, tra- how's spring practice been going? Have we got a sense of what's ahead moving forward? Do, are we working on schedules, the golf south? I have so many questions about football, but I'll just start with this. Uh, how's spring practice looking right now? So, you know, spring practice, is, it's unusual because it is not. You know, the, the window is very different than it would normally be in the spring. Um, they're going early, early in the day, and they have a practice schedule, so they're getting that work in and kind of extend, you know, extending what they did in the fall where they didn't, you know, they practiced but didn't have any games and really didn't other than inter-squad inter- scrimmages, just, you know, scrimmaged against themselves. The good news is they will kind of branch out. We do have two and, – and, some people are calling them scrimmages. They are more like what you would get at the NFL level when you have two teams come together for a joint practice. It's not truly a scrimmage. It's more of a two teams practicing together, though, so you have live contact drills and, and you know some game situations against another team, and you're not just doing it against your own offense and defense. Uh, Albany State, Savannah State, and potentially Florida A&M University are all kind of still in the mix, of course, you're talking 100 players, right, on each team, so testing and all these other things come into play. Those will be happening over in Tallahassee, and they're kind of closed, obviously, for, for COVID protocol reasons. So it's not really, you know, we don't really have a situation as of right now. Potentially we may have a spring game either the 12th or the 13th of March, but it's still up in the air whether or not we can have fans out and kind of how that will work. We're hoping to. Fingers crossed. You know, and by the way, just just not to leave football yet, but like baseball and softball, obviously this weekend, we are finally at the point where they've given us to expand out to 25% capacity at Spooner Field and at the Fork, and so that means we can bring in a little bit more of a crowd. But it is first come, first served. So if you want to come, get there early, get your ticket. Yeah, I was actually getting ready to. Um, I'm probably going to be going to the softball game after this. Uh, watch a good friend of mine, uh, Kelsey Hodges, play. Um, she'll be playing in that game uh, for the softball team and i wanted to ask a little bit more on the football team so yes, please. the it's it seems that it's just still very very tight protocols going on and i kind of wanted to ask why is it so still this tight with d2 even though we saw how big it can big it can actually like strand out to be for d1 and all these bigger schools is it more of a financial thing or is it just like the facilities just don't have it like what's the difference here well, you know, the big part you, you touched on it. I mean, the huge difference between D1 and D2 with everything involved in college football, not just COVID testing, but everything is money. And so the, the programs at Division One level have, I want to say, not not all, obviously, but many have unlimited-ish resources. And so their testing and the things that they can do, they, they can meet. You know, it's a struggle for a Division Two program to meet the NCAA testing protocols. I mean, just the, the cost of it and all that kind of stuff. So we're testing our athletes three times a week especially when they're in season and games are involved and there's a schedule about, you know, how far out from a game time you have to be tested. We, we've had, fortunately for our basketball, we haven't had any games postponed or moved because of positive tests on our end, but we've had to deal with opponents who have had positive tests. I mean, for example, at the last minute, our men's basketball early in the season, they were on their way a five-hour bus trip. About three hours into it, they get a phone call saying, hey, the other team can't play. They just had a positive test pop. And turn around and come back. So you can imagine the logistics, the frustration, 
for coaching staff, for, for student athletes and everything. But with football, I mean, if we would have played in the fall, if, if, if Division Two would have said, yes, we're going to play, obviously we wouldn't have had any fans in the stands. That would have been thrown out the window. So then, you know, you have any chance to, to generate revenue at your home football games. TV contracts are not like Division One. You're not getting paid that kind of money just to play a game. And that's why Division One played. Uh, you know, for fans who may not, you know, understand some of the dynamics behind the scenes, Division One played because of the TV money, and that TV money was too much to resist. And in some cases, you saw conferences like the, you know, the Big Ten come in at the last minute and only play five or six games, and that's all based on the almighty dollar. So, you know, we're hoping we get through the spring get a chance to have a couple of these joint practice scrimmage type situations, you know, coach Shinnick gets, you know, kind of your normal spring routine. And, and here's the interesting thing. We've got so many new players, you know, that, that have come in, um, you know, that would have been here if we would have played in the fall, some that have come in since then. And so there's a lot of pieces and I, you know, for those that are wondering out there, Argo fans and you guys included, you know, what, what does it look like? You know, how's this team? In some ways, they're stronger than they were in 2019, especially on the defensive side of the football. It is unbelievable. And then, obviously, you're bringing back maybe the best offensive player in the country in quarterback Austin Reed. So we hated to lose that 2020 schedule. We would have had Valdosta, the 2018 champ here. We would have had Texas Commerce, the 2017 champ, plus the 2019 defending champ, Argos. I mean, the last three national champs at the Division II level all would have been playing the Blue Wahoo Stadium uh, in the fall, and it would have been some fantastic games. Unfortunately, we don't get to just play the 2020 schedule in 2021. We've got to play the new schedule, and that's been a challenge too. Yeah, actually, you touched on one of my next questions, and that was we are going to, basically at the start of next season, we're going to have two new signing classes come in that haven't even got to see a single snap of action play because we're going to have last year's all the all the freshmen that came out of high school they'll be com- coming in and then also next fall those that signing class will also be coming in as well and i just wanted to get your opinions because we had signing i believe national signing day was around two weeks back around that area and i wanted to ask like how would we feel about the signings that we had this season and also the ones from last season? How have they been looking in practice and going in and getting situated with the team? It's tattooed on my brain from all of my years in sports. It's the, it's the first Wednesday in February. It's always signing day. Yeah, we, we actually, it was cool this year. We got to do an online virtual signing day special with Coach Shinnick. A smaller high school class coming in, only 11 players, and a large part of that is because of the fact, like we've already touched on, so many athletes getting that extra year of eligibility, it limits the number of guys you can bring in and put on scholarship. We could do a whole show on that situation, the differences between the number of scholarships you get, full scholarships at the Division II level versus Division One. But, you know, you're going to blend in the young guys. Obviously, in a program like ours, the young guys are going to have to wait their turn. They've got to, they've got to learn the culture. They've got to learn Coach Shinnick's system, Coach Darren Bill, the defensive coordinator, you know, what's expected. Every now and again, you're going to have a freshman that comes in and is ready to go, but that's that's rare. And you've got so much experience. We've got a lot of Division One transfers who have a lot of experience at the Division One level. Shea Campbell, linebacker out of West Virginia. You know, we've got guys from, from Power Five programs that have transferred in you know, to play. And so the competition is heavy at just about every position. And, you know, it, it's going to take a younger player a little while to get in. But, yeah, you, it is, you know, you're going to be stockpiled for years to come, I think, because of this situation. But it will be frustrating for some guys who maybe feel like I'm not getting enough playing time. I, you know, we hope to get on the field a little bit earlier. But in, in the in the end, I think it's a good thing for everybody involved. 
Now, I also wanted to ask, have you got a chance to meet and have, you know, and talk to uh, the new offensive coordinator and quarterback coach in uh, Rudy Carlton? Just passed him the other day, and I haven't really had a chance to sit down with him just because we've got basketball and everything else going. But here's a guy who's coming in, Rudy, who's you know, been a head coach at Azusa Pacific. Uh, they had to unfortunately shut their program down out in California. But Caleb Nobles, you know, a lot of people, fans out there will, will know Caleb, who was you know, the first quarterback for this program, became part of Coach Shinnick's coaching staff and worked his way up to you know, offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. Caleb got a job at Clemson, so he gets to go work for Davo Sweeney's staff. Um, you know, as one of the, these analysts that you, you get at these big time programs now. But a great, you know, foot in the door situation for Caleb. Uh, I expect that someday Caleb Nobles is going to be a big time head football coach. You know, for many years to come, comes from a family of coaches. His dad's a legend, uh, high, a legendary high school coach. But I think Rudy comes in, so he's got that head coaching experience that that off brings new things to the staff. He's a younger guy with that kind of experience. And, you know, he played. I think he played for Coach Shinnick. Yeah, that's, I, that's about Shinnick. to mention yeah. that. He did. He did. Yeah, when Coach Shinnick was at Azusa Pacific. And so there's, you know, it's not like you're asking a guy to come in and, and as a coach learn the system and pick up what Coach Shinnick wants and, you know, the way that they roll with Arte and the different style that Coach Shinnick has. This guy's going to fit right in. And, wow, how about coming in as an offensive coordinator with the weapons that he's got to work with on the offensive side of the ball? It's, a, it's a, You know, I hate, you hate to lose your head coaching gig. You hate what happened to the Zusa Pacific, but you couldn't have really landed in a better spot. Yeah, You know what? We are excited to see what he can do for this offense, uh, and we wish Caleb all the best of luck. You knew eventually – Based on the early oh, yeah. success he was having in his career, he was going to move on to the next level. And why not go to Clemson? Go to a team that's won a couple national champions championships in the past couple of years. Coach Shinnick said to me the other day, he said, "You know, he he feels like a father. You know, it's like a proud dad moment where you know, of course, you know, you tell Caleb, yeah, you got to take this opportunity. But you know, it's just it's fantastic for this program. We hate to lose Caleb, obviously, such a vital part of everything that has happened here uh, since the beginning of the football program, but." You know, you, you really do think, you know, wow, what a great opportunity for him. And it really, I think, shines a great light, a great reflection on what is happening here in Pensacola. Well, Will, as always, we appreciate the time. We can't wait to have you on as we get closer to football season. I'm confident it's happening. And you can hear Will on Saturdays when we do have Argos football on. And also get ready. I, I am excited and I want to make this happen. We're going to try and get some Argos game day going on on Saturday, the day yeah. of the game. We're yes. going to make that happen. And it's going to happen. We, we we want like a pregame, extend our pregame show, do like a game day atmosphere because it's getting so good outside the of the Wild Stadium. So, you know, would love to have that be part. And, and before I go, I don't want don't to leave anybody out. Swimming and diving. Conference championships next week, this next week coming up, looking for them to win the conference. Again, they are fantastic. Coach Phil Krause and his program, the girls swimming and diving. And then tennis, they won at Auburn Montgomery yesterday. They're at Lee today playing up in Tennessee. You know, every year their goal is national championship contention, and they are on track for that. They won the matches yesterday, winning again today. And then how about our golf team? Coach oh, yeah. Steve yeah. Fell tells me, tells me the other day on our virtual fan day, I said, hey, Coach, what's your goal going in? He just looked at me and said, every year our goal is to win the national title. They finished second in their first uh, tournament last week. The women finished third in the World Golf Invitational down in, in South Florida. They're ranked 12th. It's the first time in a couple of years they've been ranked in the top 20 in Division Two golf. So congrats to Coach Kristen Dorsey and her crew. She's a local, uh, played at Kansas State, but out of Gulf Breeze. And so, I mean, everything's clicking right now. We're just so happy to have sports back. And as you guys mentioned, 
you know, football in the fall. Cannot wait. And I know all our fans out there cannot wait. And so everybody do the right thing. Wear the mask, social distance, get your vaccines, and let's do football yes. in the fall. Let's make this all happen. We are ready for some football, hopefully coming up in September. And I know you'll be one of the first to tell us about it. Will Kennedy, the voice of the UWF Argos, good to have you on as always. Absolutely. Hey, women's basketball, 3 o'clock, Cox Sports TV, your view. TV and our stream through goargos.com women's game. We'll have it televised for you. So join us. Yes, go there. Will, we'll talk to you next time. ESPN Pittsburgh, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. We'll be back right after this break with our game day pickums. Hi there. This is Chris Fowler of ESPN and ABC. And you're listening to Sports Call with Davis and Justin on ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM, 99.1 FM. Carry on my all right, this, here we go. ESPN Pensacola, 1330 AM and 99.1 FM. This has to be super fast because we are now uh, at the end of our program. So, uh, Jackson State, that's the team I'm, hate, I'm loving on the most. Uh, successful with uh, primetime as their coach. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I think I'm, so. I'm excited for Deion Sanders. I got them winning. Also, you have Sam Burns winning the Genesis Invitational. He's going to get his first PGA win. You heard it right here, right now. We'll see you next Saturday.